This is Meditations for Misfits, and I'm Fred Gruy. Welcome. In this week's reflection, we take a look at the famous story in Genesis chapter 18, where Abraham and Sarah entertain three visitors. And the suggestion is that we help to make the invisible God visible by our acts of hospitality to others. Reading that Hannah gave to us this morning is a famous biblical text. It's often pulled out as a touchstone for our faith tradition's emphasis on the idea of hospitality, which is going to be the theme for our moments of reflection this morning. And hospitality is not a sort of a side dish on the menu of our Christian faith. It's at the core and center. Uh, it's in, incredibly important to all that we are about and aspire to. And uh, so let me sort of unpack this reading for us here a little bit. So as Hannah shared, uh, Abraham and Sarah are at their tent. And in this time and place, it was very much of a, a Bedouin kind of culture where people traveled around uh, in arid spaces. And so hospitality was incredibly important. And, uh, Abraham, Sarah, hanging out at their tent, three visitors come by. Now in the biblical text, this is confusing as all get out because three strangers show up and then in the next sentence, Abraham's talking to what he believes is God. And so what happens? And I think it's ambiguous on purpose. It's supposed to keep us befuddled and not knowing what we're doing. There's a line in the New Testament, so in one of Paul's letters, it says, be, be alert because you could be entertaining angels unaware. Uh, so you never know who your guest is. You may, they may look like someone or something, but it could be a lot more than that. And that's what this text offers to us. So Abraham somehow identifies these three strangers and prostrates himself and offers incredible hospitality to make sure they are well cared for. And it's in the giving of the hospitality that Sarah and Abraham's vocation and calling is energized and brought forth. But first, let me talk about the importance of hospitality. Certainly, it is central to Jewish, Islamic, and Christian traditions. It's at the heart of these three uh, great traditions that believe, that are monotheistic, belief in one God. Because the idea is, is that God is the accurate host, and we're all uh, receiving hospitality from this incredible divine being. But I was listening this week to a uh, podcast, uh, Templeton uh, Foundation podcast, by a teacher of Islamic studies in Edinburgh, Scotland, named Dr. Mona Siddiqui. She's from Pakistan. And she says that for her, hospitality is really about how do you welcome someone, not necessarily politically, but just in terms of any kind of human relationship. For her, for Dr. Siddiqui, hospitality is also about gratitude. 
These are not uncontested virtues, gratitude and hospitality. They are about knowing that I can do something for someone and that I should be grateful that I'm in a position to be able to do so. And rather that the person owes me something back like as a favor, it should remind me to be grateful that I am able to offer assistance, and that should bring forth humility. And Dr. Siddiqui says, humility is really about understanding that there's a certain way of being that recognizes where you are, who you are, in relation to everyone else. She says, if you have faith in God, then you really can't think about living your life in any other way but that in humility. So for her, the fundamental thing that she learned was how absolutely basic hospitality was in a desert environment. Because if you did not give somebody food and drink as they were passing through, they could die. She says it's about doing the right thing at the right time. And so that is part of the history of our faith tradition. Now, it's a history, sadly, that's been lost in our culture because as first world North Americans, hospitality is somewhat uh, seen as like an hors d'oeuvre or just a nice side dish because you and I live in a culture that has beaten into us the great fear of needing hospitality. We are terrified of embracing our own neediness and actually having to depend on others. I mean, as a hospice chaplain for 17 years with more than 3,000 folks, the thing that terrified everybody I visited was I don't want to be a burden. It's terrifying. And so the thought of actually needing hospitality can be, can be scary but it is at the core of who we are because the reality is if I can share a secret we're all needy <laughs> some of us just hide it better than others but we're all needy and we're all in need of hospitality and part of what comes with this idea of hospitality is the word obligation and that can be an off-putting word for many of our ears to feel obliged but I would suggest that obligation is the other side of the coin of loving. When you love someone, you volunteer to become obligated because it's almost impossible to express and to give love if there are no obligations. If my son were to call me in the middle of the night, because he needed help. I would be obliged to help him. Why? Because I love him. He's my son. And he would have called me because he knows I am obliged because I love him. So this whole idea of being obligated to each other is really important. It's actually how we show love to one another. So obligations are not something to be avoided. I'm suggesting they are to be embraced. It's how we express love. I would suggest, because I say this every week, 
one of the things we try to do here is make the invisible God visible. And hospitality is how we do that. That is how we endeavor to make the invisible God visible. Now, I've read to you from a wonderful uh, Islamic scholar. Let me read to you from a Christian theologian named Peter, one of the first followers of Jesus. Some believe he was the first pope in the Catholic Church. I'm not going to argue that, but he was certainly a follower of Jesus. And in his letter in the New Testament, Peter says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, as it says in the King James. You're God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of the Holy One who called you out of darkness and into the marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of the Holy One. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, he says, I urge you as foreigners and aliens and exiles to abstain from selfish desires which war against your soul and live such good lives among all the people that they may see your good deeds and give praise to the source of all that is. Now in Fred's language, if I were translating that, make the invisible God visible. And then he goes on later in that same letter to say, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So I'm suggesting hospitality is at the heart of who we are as a people. And I can tell you as one of the leaders in this congregation, it's at the heart of what we're trying to become. And yes, we don't do it perfectly. And yes, we make mistakes. But we're, it's a good aspiration. And we're going to keep at it till we get better at it. Now, in the context of the story Hannah read, it was as Sarah and Abraham were offering hospitality to these three strangers that their call and vocation to be the parents of God's grace and blessing to all of humanity was activated. Because as the three visitors were enjoying the meal, they prophesied that a year from now, Sarah would be with child. Now this harkens back to an earlier prophecy. God had met Abraham, and Abraham uh, was so overwhelmed by God's presence that Abraham offered sacrifices. And God said to Abraham, who at that time was like 75 or 80 years old, you know, I'm going to bless all the world through you, and you're going to have a child. And Abraham figured, well, that's going to be something. So to help God out, Abraham took his concubine and had a child with her named Ishmael, figuring, well, I'll help God out here. It's, it's the closest we can do. And God said, Abraham, I don't need your help. And so, and God's blessing was on Ishmael. 
But God wanted Sarah to have a child. And so at 90 years, in another text in Genesis, it says she's about 90 when she hears this word, this time next year you're going to have a child. And it says she laughs. I imagine that was to keep her from crying because if you're 90 and here you're going to be pregnant and have a baby next year, I don't know that that's necessarily good news. <laughs> but anyway, so she laughs. How can this be? I'm 90 years old for crying out loud. And yet it was. And the great punchline to this whole... And then, you know, God says, well, I heard you laughing. No, I didn't. It wasn't me. Yeah, yeah, but she, so she, you know, out of embarrassment, she didn't want to admit that she was laughing. But the punchline is, is the child that is born, Isaac, the name Isaac in Hebrew means laughter. And so this is the child through whom God's grace and blessing comes through this family to bless all human beings on the planet. So their call, their vocation was activated as they were in the process of giving hospitality. And I suggest for us, as we participate in being as hospitable as we can to all people that come here, that our call and vocation may similarly be activated, that we would become all that, that the Holy One dreams for us to be. Now look, you and I don't live in a desert. We don't have Bedouins going by that are going to die of uh, starvation or thirst if we don't give them food and water. But it's a desert out there. Politically, it's a desert. People are frightened. Racially, it's a desert out there. There are people marginalized in our community because of the color of their skin, their sexual identification, their lack of education or whatever the amount of money they have in a bank account or not, whether they have a house or not, whether they have food or not. Because of their age, people are marginalized in this community. It's a desert, and people are dying. And what we are trying to do in this place is to make a sanctuary, a safe place, a hospitable place where people that are frightened and have nowhere to go can come. That is our effort at making the invisible God visible. As together, see that's the other part of this that's so incredibly important. You and I don't have to do this alone, but we do it together. God has called us to be a people, a people of grace, not Fred of grace or Scott of grace but a people of grace. And we can do this together. And this is Welcome Home Sunday. And I want to suggest to you that all the little tables set up in the back, we, we do this every year, Welcome Home Sunday, the first Sunday after Labor Day, Welcome Home. And all the ministry teams and committees of the church put up displays and explain who they are. And in times past, I have to admit, it has felt somewhat like a jobs fair where people are recruiting, come help us, we need help, volunteer to be with us. And, we, and it's, has that, it's had that kind of feel. But not today. Today, it's a celebration. Because for me, all of those tables and displays are the tangible evidence of our efforts of hospitality. 
It's how we enflesh hospitality in this congregation. There's a parish life display. Those are the folks that, that provide us with an incredible experience of church camp in our neighborhood circle groups where we can get to know each other, and a lot of the fun parties that occur throughout the year. And then there's the worship and spiritual growth table that helps put this big party on every Sunday and other events as well. There's the justice and witness table where those folks help us reach out to others that are marginalized and say, you'll find help here. And our Good Sam Fund is part of that, where people can come to this building and find food when they are hungry, or water when they are thirsty, or help with their rent when they need it. We want to make this a hospitable, and we help the food bank through that. There's the adult education table, where we learn together and grow together. How can we become more than what we are as individuals? How can the synergy of our togetherness explode in, in fulfilling the grace of God coming into this community? How can we do that? And there's the Pastoral Relations Committee, so if you've got a problem with me, you can go talk to them, and they'll hit me over the head, and I'll straighten up. And then there's the, the uh, Congregational Care Group, that when we're sick or when we're starting to fail and we need help, that, that they can get us prayer and people to help connect us, to support us. So the, the, these are all the, the ways we connect with one another. And so for me... All of those tables and the people that sit behind them are the evidence of our efforts of hospitality. And I want to celebrate that today. Since I started as the interim last November 1st, TG has told me that uh, we've had over 90, 100 people come visit our church through these Sunday morning meetings. And I have to be honest with you. The number one thing I hear when I go back, when we get done, we have our coffee and people come up, and they try to be nice, and they say, oh, yeah, that was a good sermon, and all that stuff. And they're trying to, but the thing I hear all the time, the most, the number one comment is this. There's such an energy in this church. What is that? What is that energy? I hear that every week. What is the energy in your church? And I want to tell you, you, are that energy. The people that sit behind those tables to welcome you is that energy, that hospitable energy to welcome and receive everybody just as they are. That is the energy. This church is not this building. It's not this campus. It is the energy of us together stumbling and bubbling along as a motley crew trying to do what we think God might want us to do. In the middle of all that craziness, there's an energy and a grace that comes. And so for me, these tables and this morning is a morning of celebration. To say thank you that we're trying to do this together. We really are. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful morning. It's the English. They have this, I lived in England for a couple of years. They have this line I love. They, I want to say, good on you. <laughs> good on you. You're doing good. So let's just keep it up. Amen.